Thanks so much for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and help you grow deeper in your faith. G'day, my name's Nathan. I'm the lead pastor of LifeGate Church. Thanks for joining us. I've got a message I'm going to share with you today. We're going to pray and then we're going to dive in. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we can open your word. God, we thank you that you speak to us. And Father, as we come to your word today, that you would open our ears and hearts to hear from you, that you would anoint me for this task to preach your word, remind me what I prepared, help me to speak clearly, Lord. And we pray that your name is honored and glorified in all that happens. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to start by talking to you guys about two great Australians, Tim and Peter Costello. These men are brothers, and both these men had encounters with Jesus when they were young. One of them grew up to be a pastor, and the other grew up and became the treasurer of Australia and was for 11 years. And what's interesting is that both these men chose to live a life of obedience to God. They chose to honor him with their lives. So I want to um, talk a little bit more about each man. I want to start with um, Peter. Peter Costello was, um, grew up in Victoria, went to a Christian school called Carey Grammar. Then at the end of school, went to university, Monash University, and he came out as a lawyer. At the age of 32, he became a member of parliament. And from 1996 to 2007, Peter Costello was the treasurer of Australia when John Howard was the prime minister. In the, after the 2007 election, um, he wrote his, his memoirs in 2008. And on page 20 of, of, of this um, book that he wrote, this is what we read. At the Baptist Sunday School, I was taught the lessons of the Bible and the Christian faith. This faith has been important to me throughout my life. As I grew older, the gospel became more meaningful and personal to me. It has given me a framework by which to steer my direction in life. I would not claim to be exemplary in behavior, but my faith has given me the certain hope of God's forgiveness and redemption. Attending church has been important in nurturing my faith. I owe a lot to my Sunday school teachers and pastors and my parents for sharing these great truths with me. Um, great little clip there. A man who encountered Jesus as a, as, a, as, a, as a young boy and then chose to live a life of honouring God. His brother has a different story. Um, his brother, Tim, he was the CEO of World Vision for 13 years. And World Vision is an organisation that sponsors kids. And in 2019, they had over 3 million kids sponsored throughout the world. Incredible. Um, Tim grew up also in Victoria, went to the same school, but his life went on a different path. When he was a CEO of um, World Vision, this is what was written about him on their website. I'm going to read this to you. Tim Costello was ordained as a Baptist minister in 1984 and ministered at the Collins Street Baptist Church in Melbourne. From 1986 to 1994, he ministered at St Kilda Baptist Church where he established a vibrant and socially active ministry. In 1993, his commitment to serving the community led him to becoming the director, the executive director of Urban Seed, a Christian not-for-profit outreach service for the urban poor. Between 1999 and 2002, he was also national president of the Baptist Union of Australia. 
and he was a CEO of World Vision from 2003 through 2016. Tim, different story. But what's great about this story is that both these men had encounters with Jesus when they were young. One became a Baptist minister and then a leader of a huge not-for-profit that saw many lives changed. The other became a lawyer and eventually a member of parliament and a treasurer. But both these men chose to live lives that, that honoured God, that was obedient to God. Now, I want to ask you a question. It's a bit controversial, and you might want to put the answer to this in the chat. If I asked you this question, how would you respond? Who gets the bigger reward? Which one of these guys gets the bigger reward? Now, when I say that, I'm talking about on the day, the day when we stand before God. The Bible teaches us that we're all, all of us one day will stand before God and will be called to give an account of how we live. We, we, we call it the day of judgment. And if we live a life where we put our trust in Jesus, where we've been forgiven by Jesus, God welcomes us into his eternal kingdom and we live with Jesus forever. But if we said no to Jesus, well, well the Bible says that we live separated, um, eternal death, away from God forever. If you're a Christian, if you committed your life to Jesus, well, you're one of the ones that, that God says, welcome, welcome to my kingdom. And then the Bible teaches us that we're then given rewards for how we lived. We are, read this um, in the parable of talents. The parable of talents is a parable that uh, Jesus spoke about where a master gives his servants talents, talents money. One gets five, one gets one, one gets ten. And after some time, the, the master comes back and he says to his servants, what have you done with what I've given you? And that's a picture of what judgment's going to be like for us. That God's going to say to us, so Nathan, what have you done with what I've given you? And we will be rewarded based on what we've done with what God has given us. So as we come back to these men and I ask this question, who gets the better reward? I wonder what your answer is. Now, for lots of people, they'll say, well, well, well Tim does, the pastor. He like preached about Jesus every week in his church and he served God. And then he led this huge not-for-profit that saw many, many lives transformed. And, and you might go, definitely Tim, he's the guy. But, but I want to say, well, I'm not sure about that. And the reality is, we don't really know because here's the big thought for today. Our reward is not based on our position. Rather, it's based on our obedience. Friends, our reward is not based on our position. It's based upon our obedience. For God is calling us to a life of obedience. And whether that you're a pastor or a tradie or a nurse or a teacher or whatever you do, whatever your position God wants you to live a life of obedience to him, living a life that pleases him, making choices that he wants you to make, thinking the thoughts that he wants you to make, speaking life over people, forgiving people, adding value, sharing the story of Jesus that he's done in your life with others. This is a life of obedience, and, and you're, you'll be rewarded based on that. As we think about these men, Peter, the politician, if he lived a life of obedience... If he loved people and served people and chose to honour God in his position, well, then he is open to the very same rewards his brother is as Tim, the pastor. Because your reward is not based on your position. It's based on your obedience. That's the big idea for today. Your reward is not based on your position. It's based on your obedience. Today, I want to take you to the Gospel of Luke. 
And I want to look at two different people who had, who had encounters with Jesus. These men were both tax collectors, one Levi and one Zacchaeus. And what's fascinating about these stories is they both have encounters with Jesus. They both choose to follow Jesus. One goes into full-time ministry, like Tim the pastor, and the other chooses to be a, to be, to be a tax collector, but this time doing it by living a life of obedience, living a life of honouring to Jesus. So we're going to read this text. The first text is from Luke chapter 5, verse 27. A few verses here, then we'll read the next one from Luke 19. I encourage you to follow along. After this, Jesus went and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I love that. He's come to call sinners to repentance. That's the first account. That's Levi. The second account is Zacchaeus from Luke 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief, a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be with the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, that's Jesus, look, Jesus, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Incredible passage about a man. Both these men had encounters with Jesus. Both these men chose to follow him. One left his tax collector's booth. The other stayed at a tax collector, but chose to live a life of obedience. As we look at these, um, these two texts, I want to pull out for you three ideas. Three ideas from this text. The first one is this. Their sin wasn't too big for Jesus. The first point, their sin wasn't too big for Jesus. Both Levi and Zacchaeus were tax collectors. Now, to be a tax collector was to be on the nose of the people of Israel. They didn't like them. And the reason is because, well, firstly, they were working for the Romans. At the time, Israel was governed by the Roman Empire. They had authority and control. And like any empire, they would take money from the people they're ruling and give it to the empire. And the tax collectors weren't Romans. They were Jews. So the Jews were taking money from their people and giving them to Rome, which they didn't like. But more than that is that the tax collectors were taking more than they should. Now, the Romans didn't pay them, so they had to take more than just the taxes, but they were ripping the people off. 
And as a result, they were looked down on hugely by the people of Israel. The people, and in this text we saw it, they said that Jesus is eating with tax collectors and sinners. And the sinners were those who worked in the sex industry. So the people who worked in the sex industry and those who were tax collectors were seen at the same level in the Israelite society. They were seen as the lowest of the low. And it would have been easy for Levines and Zacchaeus to look at their lives and say, man, I'm not worthy to be accepted by Jesus. I'm not worthy to have Jesus in my house. I am a sinner, like the people have said. I've stolen more than I should. I'm looked down on. I'm rejected. People see me poorly. Man, I am not worthy. And maybe you feel that way today. As I'm speaking here and, and you see this idea that sin wasn't too big for Jesus, well, you might think to yourself, your sin is too big for Jesus. You might feel like maybe Levi and Zacchaeus could have felt as, as tax collectors that as you look at your life and you see the poor choices that you made, you go, man, I've done this and I've done this and I'm so embarrassed and I have so much guilt and I have so much shame. God could, could not possibly be interested in me. Jesus could not possibly accept me, could not possibly accept me. I am not worthy. I am not valuable to be accepted or loved by Jesus. And if that's how you feel today, well, what Jesus said to Levi and Zacchaeus is what Jesus wants to say to you. Check out what, what, what Jesus said to the people when he was at Levi's house. Jesus answered them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, those who think they've got it all together, but rather those um, but rather sinners to repentance, people who recognize their lack, people who recognize they're not worthy, people who recognize their failings and their weakness. Jesus says, it's you that I've come for. So if you see your failings and your weakness and you're thinking you're not worthy, Jesus has come for you. Look at what he says to the household in Zacchaeus. He says, today salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. A son of Abraham means to be someone who puts their trust in God. In uh, Genesis 15, 6, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. People who put their trust in God are given um, right standing, the position of right standing with God. He says, because Zacchaeus has put his trust in me, he's, he's, he's now a son of Abraham because he's put his trust in me. And verse 10, for the son of man, which is the title of Jesus, came to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus recognized he was lost. And Jesus said, I've come for you. And if you feel lost today, Jesus has come for you. You know, God loves me. God loves you so much that he gave us his son, Jesus. Not just to come to this earth and heal and to teach and tell us what God is like, to show us what God is like. But he came to die on a cross at the end of his life. And he died on that cross so that he could take the sin of the world upon himself that he would take my sin, that he would take your sin upon himself. So the death sentence that was upon my life, that was upon your life because of your wrongdoing could be dealt with, that you could be forgiven, that your relationship with God can be restored. What Christ has done is so incredible. It is the, it is the absolute extravagance of God's love for you that's seen through his death. Jesus loves you. He wants you to be his own. And you become his own by putting your trust in him, putting your faith in him, choosing to follow him, asking him to forgive you for your wrongdoing. And Jesus says, welcome home. Come and follow me. The first thought I have for you today is this. Their sin wasn't too big for Jesus and your sin is not too big for Jesus. 
The second thought I have for you today, following Jesus looks different for each person. The second point for today, following Jesus looks different for each person. Both Levi and Zacchaeus had encounters with Jesus, and they both chose to follow him. But that following looked different. For Levi, verse 27, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. The Greek word for left everything can also mean abandon all, forsake or desert what he was doing. And, that, and, the, and, and the meaning around the Greek word for follow him wasn't a one-off moment. It was a state of continual, continually follow him. And we continue to read the Gospels. We are, see Levi became one of Jesus' disciples and he had his name changed. That's what they did back then. Simon became Peter. Levi became Matthew. Matthew, one of the disciples of Jesus. And we see Matthew as one of the disciples of Jesus who walked with him for those three years. He was in the upper room and saw the resurrected Jesus. He was there at the day of Pentecost. He preached the message of Jesus. And we're told through church history that, that Levi, also known as Matthew, was martyred for his faith. Levi, the tax collector, chose to follow Jesus. And that meant for him leaving his job, going into full-time ministry for Jesus for the rest of his days. Then we have Zacchaeus. Let me take you back to verse 5. When Jesus reached a spot, he saw Zacchaeus. Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus came down at once, welcomed him gladly. All the people muttered, he's gone to be with the guest of a sinner. And then in verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. He must have been a wealthy guy. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And then Jesus says, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. It's obvious that Zacchaeus had a transformational moment in his life. Not only did he make a decision to follow Jesus, he showed it. And he gave away half his possessions and he made right those he stole from. He made it right. And in that we get a glimpse that Zacchaeus continued on in his journey as a tax collector, but this time doing it in the, in the way that honoured Jesus, doing it in the way that was obedient to Jesus. Both these men had encounters with Jesus. One went into full-time ministry. The other continued his, in his job as a, as a tax collector. But they both lived a life of obedience. When we look at the Costello brothers, one became a lawyer and, and, um, and a member of parliament and eventually a treasurer. The other became a pastor and the CEO of a not-for-profit. But both of them chose, their desire was to live a life of obedience. And in friends, it's the same for us today. It's the same for us today. Following Jesus looks different for each person. And as you're listening to this at home, around your TV screens, with your family, maybe you're on your own, Jesus is calling us all to follow him. But it looks different for each person. For some of us, God will call us to leave our jobs and to come out of the secular environment and go to Bible college and study and learn and then go into some sort of ministry, part-time or full-time ministry. That's the calling for some, but it's only less than 10% of Christians are called to go into full-time ministry. 
The vast majority of people, more than 90%, are called to stay as tradies, as teachers, as nurses, as lawyers, as salesmen, or whatever you do, and continue to be obedient to Jesus in the thing that you're doing. You know, as, as Christians, we celebrate those, those, those pastors and apostles and evangelists who do great things around the globe. We celebrate the Billy Grahams and the Reinhardt Bonkies. We celebrate the Brian Houstons and the Bishop Jakes, those leaders of large churches, the Louis Giglios who are really influential and across, the, across, the, across the globe. And we can often get caught up to think, well, they're the ones who are really serving God. They're the ones. If I, if I do what they're doing, well, then I've made it. Then, then God will be happy with me. But actually, that's not true. Because God calls some people to do that. And most of us, he calls us to do the everyday jobs, the nurses, the doctors, the teachers, the stuff that keeps the economy running. And as, and as people in the secular world, they give financially to God's church, which allows the Louis Giglios and the Bishop Jakes to do what they're called to do. And if you are doing what God has called you to do, you are open to the same rewards as the Billy Grahams and the Reinhardt Bonkies if you live a life of obedience. Just like those men are living a life of, or lived a life of obedience, those that have passed, God is calling us to live a life of obedience. Following Jesus looks different for each person. That's the second point. The third point is this. But it's obedience. Obedience is what Jesus desires. For Levi, it meant leaving the tax collector and going into ministry. For Zacchaeus, it meant staying in the ministry, but living a life of obedience. For Tim Costello... It meant being a pastor and the CEO of the not-for-profit. For, um, for Peter, it meant becoming a politician. They're the positions, but no matter what they did, they were called to live a life of obedience in the thing that God wanted them to do. And it's true for me and it's true for you. God wants us to live a life of obedience in no matter where he's placed us, no matter where we've put ourselves, he wants us to live a life of obedience. He wants us to live a life of love, where we're loving God and we're loving others. He wants to live a life of forgiveness where people hurt us, we are quick to forgive. We're living a life of obedience in the way that we speak. We speak life over people. We don't drag people down. We don't gossip. We don't lie. We don't tear down. We, we, we're, we're careful when we put our eyes and what we focus on, not in lust and the things of the flesh, but rather things of heaven and focusing on the things that God has for us. This, friends, is living a life of obedience. It, it doesn't matter where you do it in some ways. If God wants you to do a specific thing, we'll do that. But for most of us, I don't think God cares too much if we're a nurse or a doctor or a teacher or a tradie. What he cares about is being obedient while we're doing those things. When I finished school, I um, started to become a high school music teacher. And as a high school music teacher, my desire was to live a life of obedience to God. Did I do it perfectly? No, I didn't. Of course I did it. None of us do. None of us get it right. But it's about the desire that's within our hearts. And as a teacher, I would go to school each day and say, God, here I am. Use me as, as, as your ambassador in this school. And so I shared my faith um, with the teachers. And I cared for the teachers. I loved the teachers. And I shared my faith with the students. And I loved the students and cared for the students because it was my way of sharing the love of Jesus. And then at the end of 2007, God spoke to me clearly and said, Nathan, you'll be leading the church next year. So I came out of teaching and went into full-time ministry. I'd been to Bible college, studied part-time. But it was that moment in 2008, I stepped from teaching into ministry. And as a pastor, I'm still choosing to live a life of obedience. 
Do I get it right every time? No, of course I don't. I'm a human, but my desire is to live a life of obedience. And that's in the way I speak, in the way I act, in the way I live. It's around my character. It's around my integrity. It's about being obedient to the things that God wants us to do. It's about getting the, getting the church on track with the vision that God has for us, whether or not I'm a teacher, whether or not I'm a pastor. It's about living a life of obedience because our reward is not based on our position. Rather, it's based on our obedience. As I come to the end of this message, one day we're all going to stand before God and we have the day of judgment. Are we part of heaven or are we not? That's the first judgment. And then, if you're part of heaven, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you made that commitment, God's going to say, what have you done with what I've given you? And it's about the rewards. And our awards, not based on our position, what title we were given, because anyone can give you a title, it's based on your obedience in that position. Whether or not you're a tradie, you're a nurse, you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, whether or not you sell things in a coffee shop, whatever you're called to do, whether or not you're a pastor, even on the mission field, whatever it is, God wants us to live a life of obedience to Him living a life that honors Him, living a life that pleases Him. So here's a final question that I want you to think about, that I want you to pray about. Where do you need to obey Him? As you look at your life, in what area of your life do you need to obey Him? Where do you need to change the way you speak? Where do you need to change your attitude? Where do you need to change your thinking? Where do you need to be obedient? I'm going to give you 30 seconds to pray and ask God to speak to you, and then I will pray. Take 30 seconds and reflect on this question. Father, I want to thank you that you call us to a life of obedience. We thank you that it's not about our position, about our rewards. For some of us have been given much ability. Other of us aren't given as much, but that's not what it's about. It's about being, a, being obedient to what you've called us to do. Father, help us to be obedient to the things that you've called us to do. Father, renew our minds. Father, change our attitudes. Father, give us your heart for people. Help us to stand strong for Jesus, stand firm for Jesus. Help us to shine your light into this dark world. Help us to be obedient to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I talked about Zacchaeus and Levi and the beginning, and you might think around, you don't feel worthy or valuable enough to be accepted by God because of what you've done. And the reality is we've all messed it up. I've messed it up. The reality is we all have. But God is offering us acceptance. God is offering us forgiveness. And that happens as we commit our life to Him. So if you'd like to become a Christian today, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Pray it from your heart. God will hear it. And it'll be your opportunity to become a Christian, to commit your life to Jesus. Pray this prayer with me. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me and rose again. God, I'm sorry for my wrongdoing. Please forgive me. I choose to follow Jesus all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just pray that prayer, you've become a Christian. That is the first step in the journey. And like these two tax collectors, it wasn't just a one-off decision. It was a life of following Jesus 
all their days. And we want to help you do that. If you prayed that prayer, we want to help you live a life following Jesus. I encourage you to click on the prayer tab below and someone will pray with you and help you get the steps in place to help you live a life for Jesus all your days. Hey, it's been a pleasure sharing with you. Thanks for being part of this. There's going to be a reflection question on the screen. God bless you guys. See you again soon. Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations, and we'd love to help you get connected. My name is Andrew, and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church, and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to support you, help you get connected, and find out how you can take your next steps. So why don't you head to lifegate.org.au slash online and we'd love to find out more about you and how we can serve you as a church. Thanks for checking out this message and we'll catch you soon.